0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling uh, for October 20th, the year 2020, and uh, it is my pleasure to welcome back Cavender Nuzzi to the show for a new monthly segment called Storytime with Cav and Jeremy. Um, first of all, welcome back, Cav.
1: Thank you. I, I see. I didn't get the intro that I wrote this time, but that's fine. I think I think I can
0: overlook it. <laughs> I may have missed the email, which that no, contained. I didn't send one, so that's why you <laughs> <I> didn't. Calf <laughs> um, was on a month ago uh, to talk about his his time at Golf Channel and his time, you know, following Tiger around the country and. And you know, just just all the fun stuff he's done in the game of golf over the years, and we just started telling stories back forth, back forth, back forth, and then off air more stories back forth, back forth, back forth, um, and we realized that there's a unique opportunity here, I think, to just sit down and have a conversation with somebody. So um, that's kind of the premise for the show, and we'll see and. Please tell us if you like it or don't like it uh or what you want to see us tell stories about because you and i both have stories so reach out folks if you have any questions um but let's first start with not a story which is uh you recently made a trip up to big cedar lodge um both to see Payne's valley and then for all the other uh, golf courses on that facility Just your overall view of Payne's Valley, you know, a couple weeks later as you think back on it. Man, well,
1: the trip to that area kind of starts, for me, in 2019. Uh, I went to the NCAA Championships at Blessings in Arkansas, which, if you don't know your geography, is actually pretty close to that Big Feeder Lodge area. And for a guy whose only experience with Arkansas to that point had been Texarkana, uh, which is not the best that Arkansas has to offer. I was blown away when I went up there because it's so pretty and has so much more to offer than I thought. So I was excited to go back into that area anyway, and then to go to Big Cedar Lodge and see Payne's Valley and see the rest of these courses, which include obviously uh, Ozarks National, which was the first, I guess, of Phil Mickelson's, <laughs> what he won his first of, I guess, will be many, many championship Tour titles. And then Buffalo Ridge, which is another Tom Fazio course, it's awesome. But obviously, the shining, I think, outstanding monument to golf is Payne's Valley, and what Tiger did there. And uh, I mean, I just can't tell you how perfect it was, and how much fun it is. I know Tiger steps out to build a course that is challenging for the great, or uh, challenging for the really good golfer, and fun for the average golfer. And I didn't know how he was going
0: to do it, but he nailed it. And he just knocked it out of the park in every aspect. You know what's interesting, calf And I think back to Shadow Creek this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard-looking golf course. It just looks hard. Right. <laughs> and... You know, you, you contrast that with places like Payne's Valley um, and places like stuff in the Ozarks and, and just pick whatever fun course you like, whether it's, you know, the old Bob Hope rotation uh, before yeah. they included the stadium course. Um, and it's just, you know, the difference between hard and fun can be seen there. And obviously we saw a huge disparity in terms of scoring last week. And that's the biggest thing that I took away from your experience, and, and from what you told me both verbally and also via post, which is you just had a damn fun time, and that was the bottom line of it.
1: Right. I mean, that is that is the bottom line. You know, I think when you can walk off because I, I take my golf somewhat seriously, and I think when you can when you can enjoy the competition of it and the challenge of it, but then you walk away off the 18th green, you don't really care what you shot. That's a pretty hard thing to find, I think, on most courses. Where it's just, you, you can compete and you can challenge yourself, but at the end of the day, you just had a great time. And I think that's what you get at Payne Valley. Uh, and if you're a Tiger nerd like me, I just love playing a course where I know how that architect thinks. You know, you talk about, you hear Tiger talk so much in press conferences about how he dissects a the course and what he's trying to do. And I think that, when you play a course like his... The more you can think like Tiger, obviously that helps you on a lot of courses, but especially on his course because he wants you to position yourself. I mean, he gives you like eighty-yard wide fairways, but if you're going to hit a shot into that green correctly, you got to be in the right spot of that fairway. So it's it's still a, it's a puzzle, even with it being the funnest puzzle you know you might have ever played.
0: Yeah, and it's not only you know it's get the ball in the hole in the fewest shots and don't embarrass yourself along the way um, trying to figure out a way to get the ball in the hole from all these different angles. I mean, that's, that's I think, where he realized he could make a lot of fun, which is you don't lose a ball. You just keep hitting fairways. You just keep hitting closely mown areas or whatever. And, yeah. you know, for the better player, you better not be blocked out by a bunker visually because it's going to, you know, help your – I'm sorry, hurt – hurt your prospects. And yet, for the average player, they could care less about where that bunker is. Um, right. So I am I am glad you had that experience. Um, one other thing that I wanted to point out here, which I, I, I thought was interesting, um, a, a bunch of reporters last week were asking various guys who had played in Tigers World Challenge over the years at Shearwood, why they thought that that course fit him and I forget who it was, but somebody basically said every damn golf course fits Tiger. <laughs> it's just <laughs> right. the truth. Um, but I'm curious, and I hadn't thought of this. It wasn't on my question list, but I, I thought of it while sitting here. You've probably, my, my, my guess is at one time in the 14 years that the now Hero World Challenge was at Sherwood, you, you either attempted or did make yourself and uh, put yourself out there at Sherwood. If you did, what was your observations from being there?
1: Right. Well, I was there, and you'll remember this, because we talked about it. I was there when he won his first uh, event post-scandal. You know, oh, that's Southern right. Lerman.
0: That's right. I forgot James about
1: Allen this. Was at Sherwood, And from what I remember, um, we, he, he dominated the Par five. Uh, I, I remember he made a couple of eagles that week, I think, and just and picked apart the par fives. Uh, you know, I, I think he just, it's a place he's just really, really comfortable with. I think he knows the dreams really well from years and years of playing that. I think that, but Tiger and a lot of those pros just putt from memory more than they do even just reading it. So I think you take those combinations of things, uh, you know, I think he's just really comfortable with the sight lines off the keys. I think it's just a place where he just can go and play golf. And I don't think he has to worry that much about strategy or where he's hitting because he knows it's club's off every key. But I think that, you put all that stuff together and the guy's the guys, pretty hard to beat.
0: Really is. Um, they, they posted the video of that and I'm looking right now to see if I can see you. It's not obvious, but I'll let you view this and see if you pick up on yourself um, when he beat Zach Johnson a year after Zach Johnson beat him by holding it which is just the most ridiculous I mean
1: right Tiger, as many times as Tiger's won that court between Zach Johnson and Graham McDowell robbing him a title he should sure have even more
0: yeah and it's it's just ridiculous what what he has done and uh, yeah. and I look we entered Japan last year and had no idea where his game was and what he was going to do. And um, he obviously figured out, you know, that that the knee was okay and there was a way to get it around. And what's fascinating about this coming week for me is that, you know, the three par fives helped Tiger immensely, but he has not played the par fives well um in the last couple of years, he really hasn't. Um, Except for a couple spots here and there, he's really had trouble. And that's what he's going to have to do this week. I think unless they've somehow tricked this out and made it more tougher than than a hit and giggle, which it was uh, in uh, December, um, there's not many things they can do to this golf course with three par fives to stop them unless you hit a shot wayward, which... I mean, everybody's going to do it at a golf course once in a while. So yeah. for me, I think the key for this week is those par fives. And it's a course that fits his eye. He's comfortable. He's won. But he's actually got to follow through now. And we have yet to see that on par fives in a long time, especially in 2020. Right. You know, I I think something to consider too is that most of those world challenges, what, they were 18 players
1: usually? I mean, that's mm-hmm. a team field. So... I, as not taking anything away from Tiger but I think when you got in those fields I think by the weekend you have got maybe half the field that's even considering you know has a chance to win and the other half is just kind of catching in for a paycheck this week is going to be a little different much bigger field and I think one of the things you always have to consider just with golf no matter who it is you know if you're rooting for Tiger to win there's a chance some guy just gets hot for four days and blows it away you know and then it's kind of an anomaly which is Always one of the fun things about golf—you never know whose week it's going to be. So with a big field, you know, Tiger can play well and still get tested.
0: And I think also, look at Jason Kochrack last week. You know, here's somebody who you and I both know was overdue, right? You know, and and he goes out there, and Xander's up there with him, and Xander stumbles, he survives, and he's got the W, and. Look, he was the best putter last week, and that's all it takes sometimes is one hot putting week, and somebody who's not known for his putting, Kokrak, can suddenly get his first PGA Tour win, and everything that comes with it. Um, So, yeah, 78 is not 144, is not 156, but it sure is bigger than 18. Um, Exactly. And while you do have some some guys on different agendas, it's less so this week than it is... um, in uh, December when the Hero World Challenge is usually played, when you've got guys testing equipment and they haven't practiced and they're there for just the points or the money or whatever. So, yeah, very different atmosphere compared to, uh, you know, from that to this. Okay. Um, speaking of, um, of of atmospheres... Um, I saw something on a golf course this summer, Kevin, and, and, and this is what we're gonna basically talk about today, which is the wackiest, oddest, wildest, bizarre things you've seen on a golf course. Um, and Um the, the the reason why I thought of this is that the CJ Cup at, at Shadow Creek had the BB Go spoons that were on the T markers. And then we've had in Vegas, they were literally rolling the team markers, rolling dice like. And I could not believe it. I mean, Mark Russell's face was incredulous. It was like, is this really happening? And then when I, I, I think it was Matt Wolf said, can I keep these? Like, <laughs> those guys genuinely were enjoying themselves rolling these dice to figure out the playoff hitting order. I saw somebody this summer. Um, and I won't name names because they might be listening to this. Um, who had a friend who did not hit the ball very well. And it's one of those classic swings of a beginner slash intermediate player where the club just shuts down completely at impact. And you've got like two degrees of loft. And he hit a low liner. This is one of those baseball low liners that just goes through the infield faster than you can say, a line drive through the infield faster than you can say those words. Right,
1: but it's too fast. It's did good enough for a single, too fast for a double. <laughs> yes.
0: And he literally hit the T-marker in front of us. The T-marker bounced up and stayed the same. The ball went sideways about five yards, and that was that. Wow. It was like, did this just happen? I could have been looking at my phone for half a second and missed it, but it was whoosh, boom, boom, done. Wow.
1: So that that's is, how I'll start let's this. Yes,
0: yeah, so that's how I'll start this back and forth off, which is that has got to be the oddest thing involving a T marker I've ever seen, and maybe a lot of people have ever seen.
1: Oh man, I you know I'm gonna throw you a complete curveball here and uh, take a page straight out of the club road guy, and a club throw guy's stories. But yeah, you know, I thought about a lot. Okay, what is the most bizarre thing that I've seen? A few of them come from my high school golf days. So I you know playing high school golf in Texas, South Texas, and my district is full of a lot of border towns. Or, you know, a lot of parents we'd play in were on the border town. So right. we would go every year to this course in Laredo, which is not as, as good a town as it used to be. It's a, it's a pretty rough area. But the course that we went to, the first year was pretty good. The whole was a par 5 with water up by the green. The next year we come back, it's a par 4 because part of the fairway is unplayable. The next year we come back, it's a par 3 because the rest of the fairway is unplayable. <laughs> so that that is one of the most bizarre things i have ever seen. It's the player course but the same hole has three different pars, uh, year to year to year. That, that I don't know if you've ever seen anything like that, but it's it's pretty fantastic.
0: They changed the par from year to year to year.
1: Right. And then and then I graduated high school, so I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, first year, part five, second year, part four, third year, part three. So my score did get lower
0: on that all week, yeah, I think. <laughs> okay, this has taking me like a minute to comprehend all this. Um, now that I have comprehended and can move on. Um, oh my gosh, talk about needing a new game plan. Right. Wow. I think, I think the par went
1: from par 72 to par 72, so that's, uh... That was pretty fun, you know, and I'll, I'll take one more while I've got the mic if you want. But Yeah, um, take it. So at my own course, this must have been sophomore year for junior year uh, in Uvalde. There's a part three eight poles, about 180 yards. Uh, the parking lot is within view. So we, we're standing on the key, and these cop cars pull up in the parking lot, which 100 yards, 200 yards away. They get in the park and they start heading towards us on the tee box and I'm thinking what is going on here I don't think I've done anything wrong but I'm not really sure
0: uh, <laughs> high school kid you never
1: know and uh, they proceed past us to the green and they walk up to one of the kids that's in the group in front of us and they slap up on him put him in the in the golf cart take him back to the top car and they leave and then I'm now I'm supposed to hit a, a tee shot wondering what the heck just happened to that guy so that, that's the true story
0: Oh my gosh! Can can we reveal what happens here? Is I, it is it public you know, I, knowledge? Is to
1: I, from what I've heard, like I think it was some some burglary thing, and they, they figured out that it was this kid from an opposing town, and where he was gonna they knew he was, where he was gonna be that day, and so they came and got him. That but is... um, that that was like, insane I, I hadn't thought about it in years until until we started thinking about these things, and then wow, yeah, that's. Yeah, you know, that, that's
0: that's the kind of stuff I, <laughs> that I think you see from time
1: to time on the golf course. Really is. So, yeah, you know,
0: that's one of the great things about playing the sport. You never know what you're going to see. Um, you know, you you reminded me something by telling that story. My my home course is a is is a golf course called Battleground Country Club. Uh, the reason why I'm naming it is that it was Jim Nance's home course, and he worked there over a the summer. Wow, in high school, Jim Nance went to my high school from 74 to 77, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, this is my time playing this golf course between junior tournaments, high school, and present day. Routing number one that my dad called Classic Battleground. Battleground 03 during extensive construction, new rerouted, removed holes in the front nine. Battleground 04, during further construction, 9 flipped, new, rerouted, removed holes. Battleground pre-opening 2005, during never-ending construction, only 10 holes open. Battleground 2005, all golf course construction finished, question mark, unchanged for 06. Battleground 2006 same layout but number two number three and three back nine uh temporary greens one putt within the pin rule and then the last couple times i've played it as part of a scramble which my dad turned battleground 2019 who knows but pars line up with the last above (laughs) that's awesome um It's been crazy to go back there. It's been crazy to play this golf course again. And the weird thing about New Jersey golf, and I don't know if it was this way in Texas, is you couldn't have spectators. So it was the one high school sports where your parents could not see you play.
1: That is interesting. We could have spectators, so that's that's
0: a change. Yeah, so they were concerned about coaching from the outside. That's what they were concerned about. And... People being like, you know, Johnny, your uh, club's too flat in the backswing. You know, stuff like that. So my dad, uh, behind the the ninth hole, because it was nine hole matches, behind the ninth hole was a group of hedges and these thick bushes. My dad used to slide in behind the bushes (laughs) and like sneak through as much as he could to see this stuff. So when I played it uh, during the start of the pandemic, and I was down the stretch, and and he was with me uh, for logistical things. He was going to some place just uh, just past this golf course, so he drove me. And I'm like, oh my god, you know, this is a whole throwback to to the old times. And when, when I said, you know, hey, I'm I'm ready to go, I texted him and I said, you can come up and watch us on the 18th hole. And it was like this out of body experience for him, like. Here I am, finally watching my son play Battleground 13 years after he graduated, hmm. um, which, which, which is absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. So that is, I cannot imagine ever changing, like one hole changing parts like that for non-temporary reasons. That is, that is crazy. Um, it, well, it reminds me of uh, whenever I was with the a
1: with the and golf team, I remember being on a retreat with them and the head coach there, J.T. Higgins. I remember he told me, whoever created par was either a genius or an idiot. <laughs> because, you know, it is, it is a, a, a wild concept because uh, whatever they call a par doesn't change the whole. But in our minds, it's just as golfers, depending on the bottle, you know, we play things differently, which is just such a weird aspect of the game. that I don't know that ever, the golfers really take time to think about what a bizarre concept par is.
0: It really is, because, and this is something Doug Ferguson of the AP always talks about, is in the end, it's how many strokes have you taken? Right. That's what matters in the end. Right. Par is this number that's out there, and, and a lot of people would argue that Tiger's par has always been 68, not 72. Right. Especially at a place like Augusta. Um, mm mm-hmm. So that's what's, you know, interesting hearing that quote from your coach, and I think that's partly also trying to get it out of your players' heads, that you're just playing for a number, you're not playing to shoot, you know, five under and have it look nice on the screen. And, you know, if you go back to the history of televised golf and and, uh, Frank Schirkinian, the whole purpose of under par was just to make it easier for the viewer. Right. It doesn't really have a purpose, you know, back to the annals of Scottish golf history. There is no history with that. So, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, Speaking of teammates, you bring up a story that I hadn't thought of until now, which is the honest playing partner I have ever had in my entire life. So let's just play a game of, of true false. You've had people who drank alcoholic beverages in the golf course in your career.
1: <laughs> true.
0: Yep, same. True. You've had people who have used substances on the golf course in your career. True. True. You have had people who have been the rudest human beings ever imaginable on the golf course. Yeah, <laughs> 100% True. True. You've had people who have been the nicest possible people you could ever ask for on a golf yes. course. True. True. You've had people who have said four words to you the entire round.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's you know, for true.
0: And you've had people who have talked your head off like there was no tomorrow. Yep. Okay. And sometimes
1: they were all in the same person.
0: Yes. <laughs> um... But I would argue that this person that I'm about to talk about is the worst playing partner I've ever had my entire life. Wow. And it's a pet peeve of mine. This is the person who expected perfection, cursed at every shot that did not go exactly how they saw it in their head. Was pouting, throwing clubs, using vulgarity. And went around and shot 67. Shot
1: 67? Yes. Wow. That does, if, you, if, you, if you shoot 67 and you still don't have a good time, I don't know if this game is right for you.
0: Exactly. And my buddy and I were looking at each other like, is this really happening? Yeah. Like, this dude is shooting lights out, and the fact that he lipped out a birdie putt in the 12th hole is worse than any medical issue he's ever encountered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the way he was reacting. Yeah. It was wow. the most bizarre playing partner I've ever had, Cav. And and this is story time with uh, uh, Cav Nuzzi, Jeremy Schilling here. I'm teeing it up. I've never experienced anything like this. This dude was playing great, and... If you did not know the result of his scorecard, you would have said, no way, no way. You would have said, this guy has to be shooting like 84. And it was 67 68.
1: Wow. That is. That guy needs a couple of lessons in, I think, humility. And it sounds like he was playing around for y'all. I played you know, a lot of people like that in high school and college and. You know, usually, when they're filling those theatrics, because they
0: want you to know how good they are. Exactly. How good they
1: think they are. And, they, you know, one, it never works because I'm like, well, you are only as good as you are today. So, <laughs> that's my judge. But, you know, that, that that guy, I think, probably does better than everything in his life. Even when he's going his way, he, he feels like he's not going his way, which is sad.
0: So, now I ask you most noteworthy or one that stands out or bizarre or however you want to look at it playing partner you've ever been paired up with over the years
1: oh man I've been paired with a whole lot of people uh, you know since well, I'm already talking about it a lot my high school days I you know I won't name names but there was a guy who was playing at a local school that and he was he was you know, one of those guys where, okay, this guy's clearly done to try to go pro at some point in his life. You know, mm-hmm. he won a lot of the regional tournaments. You know, he made one state a couple times. Like, he was, he was good, especially for a high school kid. And I remember every year playing with him, and the gallery of parents and supporters that would follow him around was just bizarre for a high school kid. Because most tournaments you play, there's nobody there, nobody there, nobody there. And then all of a sudden play with this guy every time. He's got this gallery of people. And I remember the last year that I played with him was in uh, you know, small town in Texas, and the 17th hole was a par five, and he's I think he's maybe two or three under at that point. knocks it up to about 15 feet from the hole for the second shot, pours the putt in, and his mom turns to my mom. And I remember watching it. His mom turns to my mom and yells right in his face, That's an eagle, baby! And I'll never forget it, because I, and me and my friends say that all the time and joke about it now, whenever makes missed Eagle, but that's an Eagle, baby. I think you went on to win the tournament, but that's another thing where it's like, you won the tournament, but it seems like y'all are playing it for the wrong reason.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're rubbing it in somebody's face, which is not... What you should be doing, especially in high school when you're trying to grow young men <laughs> and, and young women that play the game the right way. And mm. have I ever told you the Jet Steelers story about playing at Shawnee? Uh, I, you
1: may have, but uh, I, I'm not opposed to hearing it again.
0: I, I don't think I've ever told the story on air. Um, Shawnee is a very famous golf course on the Pennsylvania... Um, New Jersey border and uh, we have a family friend who has a connection there and it was one of those days where you start out playing by yourself and then you know you get joined by somebody um, into the round and I'm a jet fan I'm wearing a jet ski cap it's fall I'm cold and I see this guy in Pittsburgh Steeler gear and comes up to me and you know says hi I'm whoever and I said, God, we got to play the rest of the round with a Steeler fan, dad. And the family friend was incredulous as to why I would say something like that. But you and I both know, Cav, that we can read golfers and we know what their personalities are just by kind of looking at them. And I knew that this guy would be cool with it the second that I said it, especially since I had a big smile on my face. And... It just feels like the guy you just described was trying to rub it in. Whereas I'm just trying to have a jovial, lighthearted joke to like be the icebreaker to have people join us. Because that can be such an odd thing when you're having people join you. And it just shows the disparity between this is somebody who has been here before knows what they're doing and this is somebody who's clearly a man on a mission clearly trying to make a statement and probably took it too far for being blunt. Right. I mean you know
1: like most things in life I like think it always it just comes down
0: to intention. What is your intention? Yeah. No it's a really true statement because intentions is everything and right. if your intentions is, is messed up it's going to come out at some point. And if your intentions yeah. is good, that's what's going to shine.
1: Right. But it, there's nothing wrong. Like you said, there's nothing wrong with giving somebody the needle. I mean, that's what that Tiger. I think that might be his
0: favorite part
1: of golf. Yeah. Is, give, is giving people the needle and getting it back.
0: Yes. Um, although I do think Matt Kuchar may be the leader in the clubhouse in that part. <laughs> well, Matt,
1: Matt Kuchar. <laughs> Matt Kuchar needs a PR agency.
0: He's had some interesting things happen to him. Yeah. <laughs> He's had some very interesting things happen to him. Um, you know, from from the Mayakoba story on. Um, right. It's been an interesting right. 2020. Can you believe that that also is 2020? The, with that,
1: didn't Mayakoba, my that didn't happen this year, did it?
0: Um,
1: did that story come out at the end of this year?
0: No, 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 no. Uh, that, that's right because Brendan Todd's the defending champion, so it must have been last year.
1: Yeah, but but man, I think you probably felt like it extended into this year because that is
0: the story that guy could not get rid of. Yeah. Do 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 No, it was November of last year that he said he was not proud of the experience. Um, oh man. Oh, <laughs> and but you know, that was, that was one of the more interesting things that has ever included
1: Matt in future. So honestly, it's, you know, at least it's given him a couple of different sides. Whereas before you just thought he was happy, go lucky Kutcher.
0: Who would have 10 billion parf uh, uh, top tens in a row.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> just rolled right through the top tens. Um, I mean, he was a backdoor top 10 machine. Um, Right. I mean, he's he's right up there with
1: Charles Hellen III in terms of just being a human ATM. I mean, every time that guy sees it up, he's catching
0: the picture. He really is. And he's also somebody that everybody will say nice things about. Everybody will say likes to, you know, throw the needle. But we have seen some odd things come out about him in uh, recent years. And I'm not being judgmental. I'm just saying that, like... You know, you almost don't know what to think sometimes um, right. when, when you see that level of uh, or, or this amount of odd things come out about somebody, um, right? And how that all yeah. plays out. Um, it, yeah,
1: you know, it it there's, you know, there's been a couple of guys on the PJ tour that are, you know, and I'm not naming a good I'm just saying in general that are very, very fan friendly on the course. And, you know, but you hear rumors about them on other things. And Like, well, at a certain point, even if they're faking it, like if they faked it for 20 years, like, with, is that faking it anymore? You know, <laughs> it seems like <laughs> at a certain point, if you fake being nice for so long, then that's, is that really that different from being
0: nice? Yeah. yeah. Matt, Matt Kuchar uh, has 107 career top 10s in the PGA Tour. Goodness gracious. Nine wins, 13 seconds, 12 thirds. Oh. He's made 51 and a half million lifetime. Still looking for that first major. Right.
1: Has he, so has he, much like Lee Westwood, has he aged out of the conversation of best players who never won a major?
0: Okay, this is a fascinating conversation because I think you have to put this in the two categories. There's the Young Brigade. Oh. of which Wolf, Morikawa, Hovland, now Collins out of that group. You add in a Xander, you add in some of these young guys, right? And then there's the Ricky Fowler group, oh. which I would put Kucher in, in terms of best players who never win a major. And then there's what I call the Monty-Lee Westwood group, which is obviously Monty's aged out, but yeah, Lee's probably at the end of his run uh, or, or getting close to it if best players never to win a major but I would still put up there that I think Kucher can win I think Lee Westwood can win under the right circumstances um, and I'm not ready to put them you know someone like Matt wolf on that list yes he's contended twice and yes now Bryson's off that list um, but I wouldn't um, I I wouldn't start putting, uh, uh, people, uh, it's so odd because we're just in really weird places right now in, um, in talking about this. I mean, most top five finishes in a major, this is from, uh, this has got to be from Justin Ray. Yeah, it is a uh, 15th club. Most players, um, Uh, Top five finishes in the majors without a win since the Masters was first held. Lee Westwood with 12, Harry Cooper 10, Jay Haas 9, Ricky, Doug Sanders, Jeff Maggart, Ed Dudley all with 8. Wait, you
1: said Ricky
0: has 8? Yeah, Ricky has 8 top fives. Which, look, I think you're looking at 2021 for him with these swing changes. Um, But yeah, it, it, it is an interesting question of who is the best player right now never to win a major which I think is different than best player never to win a major
1: right you know I think I think you right now you can kind of break it into two conversations you got maybe the best player with track record and everything included and then you have to look at probably the most talented player which I think tends to feel younger now
0: yes I would agree although I would argue that what you are looking at is, like, here's the career money list and majors in that. Because this is where I think it gets even more complicated as you dig down. Tiger, Phil, Furick VJ. DJ, has only one major, hasn't won since Oakmont. Adam Scott, one major. That's it. Rory hasn't won one in six years. Sergio has the one. He'll be happy and, and, and go to the bank. Right. Kucher has no, uh, has none. Ernie's in the backside of his career. Jason Day can't stay healthy. Zach has two. I mean, that's significant. He'll, he'll take Augusta and St. Andrews and th- to say thank you very much. Bubba has two only at Augusta. Davis Love has one. Uh, Stricker never won a major. Spieth, we know about his problems. Webb Simpson just has the one. CH3. And then you get into a really interesting group in my mind, which is Ricky Fowler, Brant Snedeker, Luke Donald, uh, Rory Sabatini. Um, and, And you go all the way down to Patrick Reed, who I don't think... I think he knows that that 2018 major, uh, Masters, was odd and received oddly by the golf world, and I think he wants to back it up. So you've got this odd mix of guys who have won one, not won one. He's They've won in a while. They haven't won a major in a while. Like, the subgroups beneath best player never to win a major is really interesting because you can make an argument that Rory is at the exact same place he was post-2011 Masters.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know, it seems like it. What's interesting is reading down that list, you know, I feel like, and take this as you will, but and I'll be interested to hear your thoughts, when you run down that list, you know, there's only really two names, I think, that jump off there as far as like, man, I could see that guy winning a major soon. And for me, some reason, it's Webb Simpson and Patrick Reed. I feel like those two guys, their games have been so solid all year. And they're, they're two guys that I think just mentally are in the right spots for majors. They're scrappy, they drive the ball pretty well, and they've done it before in majors. For some reason, those two guys jump out as guys that are probably going to get another one before most of the rest of the guys on
0: that list. And then you flip things around and you look at the final standings of the FedEx Cup last year. Xander doesn't have one yet. Rahm doesn't have one yet. Scotty Scheffler doesn't have one yet. Terrell Hatton doesn't have one yet. Um, So so it's uh, Sebastian Munoz, Sunjay M, who plays every week. Harris English. Webb hasn't won one, as as you said, in eight years. Mackenzie Hughes, Berger, Matsuyama, they're all still looking for one. Finau is still looking to break the uh, Puerto Rico Open curse. Lonto Griffin, Anser, Hovland... Todd, Bryson obviously now has one. Kevin Kisner is still searching. Ryan Palmer, Cam Smith, Cam Champ, Joaquin Neiman, Kevin Na, Mark Leishman, Billy Horschel, Adam Long, Kevin Strelman, Ben On, Cantley, Wolf, Fitzpatrick, Harmon. I mean, look at this part of the list of the FedEx Cup. As you start going from twenty five on down, where, you know. You 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 get down to the Gary Woodlands of the world uh, finally here at forty three, but um, so basically you're looking at a situation here where it's a, a lot of guys who haven't been there before, a lot of guys who a lot has been put on their shoulders as the next great blank, and I would argue that only Bryson really in in recent. Excuse me. In, in, in recent um, history, has actually lived up to what he said, and it's not an insult to anybody else. It's just that winning is hard. Majors is hard, and this is going to take a little bit for some of these guys.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it, it's important. You know, you only get four a year, so you know, there, there's only so many to go around. And yeah, you know, these guys, like, you, know, you got to peak at the right time. You got and like I said, you got to hope somebody else doesn't have a hot butter. Now, there's been plenty of guys who should have won a major that just never did, and eventually those opportunities stop coming. But it, it, it's fun, and that's the big reason why when I tell people what tournaments to go to and you know, they ask, well, do you want to go to practice round? Do you want to go to this? If you can be on the ground during tournament competition of a major, I don't think there's anything else like it. Because these guys, there's such a level of seriousness there because these guys are playing for these reasons we're talking about. Like, to get on these lists or get off certain lists, you know, to become a major champion puts you at such a threshold that I think they feel it from the time that they start, which is an interesting thing to see who can get these things checked off. Hopefully the Masters in November is the last major we have with no Man, but this has been an opportunity for certain guys to get out there and get their major without some of the pressure right it, that's the storyline we hear pretty much every major sunday now is how different this is and it's you know it's helped probably guys like a Colin Moore Keller and Matthew Wolfman probably hurt guys like Aurora McIlroy
0: yeah and he said so um <clears throat> excuse me wow I guess my voice wasn't ready for prime time, even after I d- <laughs> d- drank water. Let's try that again. Yeah, um, Rory has now admitted that some of that was also the baby and just wanted to make sure that Erica was okay and the nervousness right. of, of going out there and being in, the, in public while also trying to, you know be able to make sure everything was uh, healthy and, and fine at home. What I find really interesting about them. Is when is uh, or, or sorry about this whole thing with the with uh, no fans is and this is how I'm going to dovetail into my next story. This is going to be a, a professional segue here. You ready for it? I'm ready. You're not getting a lot of the. I I think that the Tigers of the world go in there knowing we're going to have a phone go off, a person go off, somebody trip. Um, you're, you're, you know, seeing people go all over the place and no, you're not getting that. And it's very different to be able to, and you've seen guys do it all the time during this resumption back off because somebody's cart was being moved for all the right reasons, but it's just silence. And then you hear something out of nowhere. Tiger is used to everything, screaming, yelling, cheering, you know, people running all over the place and just. He's used to it. I think he comes in with that mindset and just that concept. If you end up in a final group with him, if you're a Tom Hoagie or a, or a Scott Brown or whatever, you're in danger, in quotes, not physically in danger, but just your ability to successfully play is very different because you are playing in this unique environment where everybody's the same, whether you're a Tiger or whether you're you know um uh, Scott Brown or, or Tom Hoagie, no offense to them but I think even they would admit it's a different you know they're not Tiger Woods. Right. Um so just super briefly do you think I'm on to something there? Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, you know, there there is I mean it's so much fun to watch Tiger in a final round especially like when he's paired with somebody because you just knew okay this is Tiger's world he's playing. I mean remember when a couple of years ago, gosh, I think this was right during that when Phil beat Tiger during that Pebble Beach program. But remember when the story came out that Butch Harmon had told Phil all the secrets that Tiger would use to manipulate the crowd? Yep. To his advantage? You know, that's like that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. I mean, it, it was very real, and Tiger knew and still does know how to move that crowd and use it in his favor. You know, guys always said that it was sometimes harder to play in the group in front of Tiger because you had people moving to get in position just to see him hit his next shot. So even the guy, the guy playing with him has a tough draw because he's playing with Tiger, but the people in front did not have an easy draw either, or the people after, because everyone's leaving that green to go follow Tiger. So it's literally a three-group-wide bubble that that guy brings to a tournament.
0: Amen. Um, you nailed it. It's, it. It is multi-pronged and it is the mental side of it and also the physical side of it. So that brings yeah. me to the first hole at Shawnee's white course, I believe. I think white and then black is the one that ends with a par three, I think. We'll get research on that. I don't know who research is, but we'll get <laughs> I, it, 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 it. It's a line from one of my podcasts that I like. Uh, and they say we'll get research on that. Uh, shout out Steve Cerruti Michelle Smallman. Um, so um, when I went to Shawnee, Shawnee hosted the 1937 PGA, I believe it was, um, and you know, very famous course in, in this area. We, Walter Hagen
1: probably won that.
0: What? It was uh, somebody won it in front of Sam Snead. I will get that for you momentarily um so basically no i don't want the 1916 pga championship <laughs> there's one i did not expect
1: what was that not that the first one
0: <laughs> yes yeah, something like that um it is Yeah, uh, sorry, nineteen thirty-eight. Paul Runyon beat Sam Snead eight and seven. Nice. Yeah, so it was Paul Snead's, sorry, Paul Runyon's second PGA Championship. Snead would win his first in nineteen forty-two. So there's your Sam Snead update for you on a Tuesday morning. Um, (laughs) So. We're playing with a family friend. The family friend had never seen golf played live in person. Had never seen it. Oh. And he's he said, ooh, this is interesting. Would you guys mind if I come out with you? And we said, sure. You know, it's a family friend. We've known the guy forever. And it's just my dad and I at this point off the first tee. And I bomb a drive. It's, by the way, 37 degrees with a wind chill of 34. Like, yes. this is not golf weather. This is one of those days in this area of the country where it starts cold and then it ends warm. And I actually wound up going through five different layers of clothing during this round just of changing and and, and interchanging and everything. And we, we we get through this and I get down over my second shot and he's taking, he said, I'll just take pictures and videos of you guys. I said, that's cool. It's one less thing I have to do because I keep forgetting to take pictures. And I stand over a shot. I'll never forget this. I stand over a shot and, and it's a par five and it's into the wind and I, I can't get back there. I'm just trying to lay up and I have seven iron. And I take the club back and picture, camera shutter goes off and I put my left hand up and I go, no, I said, no photos, please. <laughs> And I felt so bad because it sounded like, uh, no photos, please. And <laughs> I felt so bad. And I said, you did nothing wrong. <laughs> Sorry, that was an inside joke. My dad's hysterically laughing. He gets it. I gets it. This this poor family friend has no idea what's just happened.
1: I said, you're <laughs> fine.
0: Just just put your phone on silent and and we're good to go. And he got some great photos of us. But that's like my one moment of it was perfectly quiet. And then...
1: Ding.
0: Yep, get your pro golf moment. Yep, that was my one, and the whole hand thing, like you saw from Steve Williams, from uh, for all those years, and right, it was it was that one moment where I was like, "This is it, I'm a pro." <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's the, so. That's my one little. Uh, I don't know. That's my one little pro moment that I had. Right. Is there anything that 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 Has any tigerism or anything that you've learned over your time in this game seeped into your regular rudimentary golf and surprised the people you were playing with as to why you were making such a request?
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
0: (laughs) Uh, I wish you guys could hear our off air conversations because there's probably one you could slide in here right now that you just can't because of whatever reason
1: oh, oh you're asking me if I had one yes yes oh man uh, the moment <sighs> man not you know not really you know I try I, you know, I love playing for golf and just trying to have like, like his mindset of you know, just hit a shot and then let it go don't linger on it yeah, that's been the biggest thing that I've always tried to take some Tiger uh, you know there, some people probably used to think I was deaf playing tournaments some because I mean I, I if somebody was yelling my name or something during a tournament I wouldn't turn around and look you know, because it's like you're trying to play golf so I tried to take that mindset of his you know I think and I really always appreciated Tiger especially in the older days when he would turn down the pre-game interview I always thought if I was a pro golfer I would not talk before my round because it just, that's, that's the thing where I think you have to preserve your bubble of, I'm here to work. You know, so I don't know where you fall on that, but I've always felt like the guys, like, it's nice to give the pre-round interview because the television guys need it. But I always thought I wouldn't do it if I was that guy because it seems like it never turned out very well. I always thought if the guy gave a pre-round interview during a tournament, I don't think that guy went on the win very often.
0: As Tiger said to David Faraday once during one of those made-for-TV thingies, he's like, "You're bothering me. Why?" Right. Right. <laughs> and now I and and obviously he was joking around, and and he and Faraday are very close. But I do think there was that there is this interesting thing of, okay, my time is my time, and you ain't gonna be a part of it. Sorry, nothing personal, but you ain't gonna be a part of this. And right. I've talked to people who have had the privilege of talking to Tiger during pro-ams, and um, the the main thing they've taken from it is if you would like to small talk Tiger, it's before the event, after the event slash round, or in the pro-am. But don't dare come to me when I get to the golf course and try to say what a win by the Dodgers last night or something. That ain't happening. Right. There's no way that's happening. Right. And that's what I've taken from it is is that it's real it. Yeah, it's very much this is our team, this is our crew, this is what we're gonna go with, and um don't fuck with me. Sorry to curse. Yeah. But but that's basically his attitude. It's like don't bleeping mess with me. Right. And it worked. It still does. I mean you you go back to the masters down the stretch and he outthought everyone. He literally yeah. just waited, waited, took that line on twelve that that, you know, he did not understand why Brooks and Pults and Finao and Francesco were trying to go more at it. He just said, I'm just gonna hit this to thirty five feet. Thank you very much. Good night And just methodically winning this thing.
1: Right. I mean, if I ever play against, uh, I mean, it, you know, don't go after the right pin. Take it over the middle of the bunker, hit the middle of the green, and say thank you very much.
0: See, that's harder for people like you and I <laughs> to yeah, actually I, execute. <laughs> I've long, you know... You know how we get, like, caught as golfers looking at a golf course we're about to play via, like, Google Maps and stuff? Hey, sure, yeah. And it's like, yes, we're, yes, I'm totally going to take it over this bunker. Like, yes, this is a great line, this puts me in a great spot, and then you get over it, and it's like, no, can't do it. I'm for it.
1: <laughs>
0: the, there's this course I play that has some undulation, so none of the yardages feel like they actually are. Hmm. And this is like a 400-yard golf course, but it looks, because of the way the course is built and the angles, like it's about 480 yards. And I'm like, wait, I can hit it here and I'm going to carry all this? Like... And they're like, yes, I promise. And it's like 25 yards in front of us. You're good. (laughs) It's so weird being at, at, at different altitudes and trying to hit a shot and trust it that it's the right distance. And... So yep. often, Tiger has done the equivalent to that, which is, this is what I know, this is what I'm comfortable with, and I'm going to hit it right here. Yep. And I'm going to take my par, and I'm going to go and do something else. And if I happen to make a long one, wonderful. Right. Um, so, here's where we are. We're, we're talking to Kev Knudson here. On uh, Sorry, it's <laughs> Kev Knudson. I have now combined... Your name with Gavin Newsom's name. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Um, That's
1: better than Gavin to draw,
0: I guess. Yes. So that's probably not a, uh, not a slip up you expected today, but you never know what's going to happen. And we're going to do this, which because we wanted to do this for an hour and we've got two minutes and one second not that we have to hold directly to an hour. Um, But a best thing you've seen in golf in the past month. And then uh, I I have to tell my orthodontist story because it's just, it's just the epitome of, of when your love of somebody has gone too far. Um.
1: Uh Well, let's, Let's hear that first and then I'll follow it up with
0: my favorite thing and go okay. And then, by the way, if you have something ridiculous that you want to tack on to this, go ahead. Um, I'm in Colorado. I'm in Steamboat Springs. Nice. I think it was. Gorgeous area of the country. Um, yeah. I've
1: always wanted to go to that country music festival
0: there, but never have. It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful place. And we were playing some kind of Muni and there was Elk so like, you know, you had to avoid the elk with your tee shot, which is always interesting and, and just a really cool, you know, because you were talking about, you know, hopefully I make it back from uh, Yosemite and or, or sorry Yellowstone and, yeah. and and not have any bear interactions and all that. And and for us, it was, you know, the elk can be careful around the elk and just let the elk pass or whatever. And one of the things, and, and you know this, having played so much golf um, competitively at a higher level than I have, which is things will seep into your game that you don't really realize um, are seeping into your game. And for me and for the way that it turned out for us is I'm looking to find the scorecard and I cannot locate... Where the scorecard is. So I'll do it on the back end of this. Um, when you go through the process of playing golf on vacation, you've got a lot of moving pieces. You've got, all right, my clubs are here. I got to take these out. Or I'm using rentals and I have to make a shoe change. And, okay, this is the bag that has my golf stuff. And I have to move that hat and those balls in and all the moving parts. I had a habit at that point in time, um, can't, uh, Cav. See, now I'm calling you Cam, like Cam Newton. See what's gotten into me? Um, <laughs> where I was taking off my glove with my teeth. Wow. Yeah. Which is a very tiger thing. Right. And, uh, and again, folks, I promise this is a totally rated G, Thing here we're not going to get disgusting, and this became so much of an issue. Uh, sorry, so much of my natural personality and rhythm, and just the way that I approached around. Um, here it is. This is it. This is it right here. Uh, this is, I believe, this is it. Steamboat Golf Club in Steamboat Springs, California. Uh, uh, uh sorry, Colorado. Um, it's here. That or my round at, at Lake Estes nine hole course in, in, in Estes Park, but similar. And so we've got me taking my glove off with my teeth, and we've got Jeremy with braces. And I got a part of my glove stuck in my teeth that led oh. to a brace coming off. Wow, the brace was intact. The wire on either side was intact, but now I've got two open holes and I've got a brace that's in my hand. Wow. Um, last time I checked, that's problematic. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. <laughs> to <laughs> say the least. And <laughs> everyone. To say the least. Second of all, these rounds were played five, um, sorry, these, these rounds were played two days apart in the year two thousand. not easy to find, uh, you know, there's no cell phones here to help us. Right. And we play the rest of the round. I played well. I was happy, actually, with how it went. I think it was the Estes Park round, now come to think about it. Because I ended with a par, and I vaguely remember this. I I did lose to my dad, though, which did not feel well. Um, But we get done with it. And my mom comes and I'm like, look at this. And she's like, "Uh oh, and (laughs) I had 10,000 things done to me over the years in terms of um, mouth stuff, trying to get my mouth to where it is today. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I've just taken a brace off with my teeth while playing golf in Colorado. And we go to the pro shop and we're like, is there a phone book we can use? the person looks at us like, a phone book? I'm like, yeah, we need an orthodontist. <laughs> wow. And I'm, I'm like...
1: A, I guarantee you you've never heard that
0: before. Yes, never. They've had people who needed medical attention because they were hit. They've had people who were looking for restaurant information. They've never had anybody who was looking for the orth- for, for that. <laughs> and it's the end of the day, too. We were playing Twilight. So this is like 5:36 at night. And we call up and this very nice place was like, we get it. You've had a little incident. Is everything intact? And we said, yes, it's just that that thing had gotten detached. But besides that, everything was intact. Come on in. And these people, and if they're listening somehow, thank you. Um, Again, even though it's been 20 years, they reattached the brace. They reattached the wire. Because they had to get a new wire. Because that wire was technically broken. And they were so kind. And did it so well. And literally like two days after we got back from this trip. I was in the, i was in my normal orthodontist chair. And she's looking at it going. They did a heck of a job. Wow. And we, we sent them lunch. Once we got back. Just as a thank you. Um, for everything. And. I cannot speak highly enough of how professional these people were to handle somebody who had done one of the dumbest things you can do which is putting <laughs> a glove in your mouth and they handled us and took care of us and yeah that's how I ended up oh and by the way I've never done that habit ever again since the,
1: the important thing is that you to
0: let yes very much so that was more long winded than I thought it would be but that's, oh, good. That was, yeah, that's how I ended up in an orthodontist chair on a golf trip in Colorado.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man. Well, I'll just jump straight into my favorite thing Yeah. in golf the last month. And I thought about this, and I think the only thing that stood out to me, and it just, it's been past the past month, but I have really enjoyed this new influx of players on the Champions Tour because it, it brings me back because I really started getting and watching professional golf, yeah, around two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand six. And at that time, I mean the big three on tour really I remember at the time there were the big four. And at that time it was Tiger Woods, Ernie Elf, Bill Mickelson and Rakith Dusan. And so to see those guys move on to the champions tour, it's so much fun because I think for a while there when it's all credit to Bernard longer, longer and I enjoy watching him. But for a while there, he was kind of the only interesting factor, unless you had Miguel and L.A. up there doing things. So it's nice to see that the Champions Tour is having this resurgence and giving these guys uh, almost a second career. That's pretty cool.
0: I, it is pretty cool, for sure. It is. Um, it's just hard for me to believe what I'm watching and who I'm watching. Right. And I think that we're about a year to two years away from these guys really diving in. Yeah. And longer has obviously changed the whole course of that tour, just in terms of dominance. And he's up there, you know, getting closer and closer to, to Irwin's all time win Mark. And, um, it's something that I think is an acquired taste Um, And that's not saying anything bad, it's just that so many of us are used to three to six, CBS, NBC, Golf Channel, thank you, good night, you know, that's the golf that I'm watching. To see these guys out there, it's like, oh my gosh. But what I think is most interesting is, and Phil talked about this on Sunday, is the different setups and being able to play more aggressively and be able to make it easier. Yeah. And in a very odd way, and I don't want this to come off as derogatory or mean or mean-spirited, but I think Phil has been able to get away with some stuff that he can't on the PGA Tour. And that's really endearing yeah. to him and really of interest to him. And right. there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the the betters out there who are going to look at his you know, uh, possibilities for this week, or, or whether it's fantasy or whatever, I would not rubber stamp this. This is two very different situations, almost akin to going from links to parkland golf. There's no comparison. And I think we have to be careful that except for PGA Tour Champions majors, we have to make sure that we don't overstep the line of what qualifies as a... Performance you can take from one tour to another, if that makes sense.
1: Right. I think I think you're spot on in terms of of you know, scoring, but I think, and this is one of the reasons that it's such a such a fun thing for me is that I think Phil is while his game and he knows the reason he's playing the Champions Tour is because he knows that his game is now better suited to that than the PK Tour. Yeah. But what what's fascinating to me is that I think he at least in probably some sense, is retraining and relearning his ability to win, which is not something that you can take lightly. So I, I would be very curious to see what happens at Augusta with Phil because I think for him, playing these events and winning is better is giving him a better chance to win in Augusta than I think finishing middle of the pack on the DJ Tour would be.
0: I am with you in the sense that winning breeds winning and winning is a positive thing no matter where, no matter how, no matter what tour. Um, Didn't Tiger joke during his downtime that he won a uh, mini golf contest against Charlie and and he took that as a victory back when he was in that drought uh, post-scandal? You know, so like, you know, a win is a win is a win, but at what cost? And is it false confidence? Because he went then to Safeway. And I think a lot of people thought this was going to be this great momentum going into the U.S. Open. And he had a, a left miss at Safeway that that didn't show up anywhere else. You saw that left miss again on Sunday in this Champions Tour event on the ninth tee. And I do wonder at what point does it no longer help your game. Right.
1: Who knows? And that, But what I love is that we're having these conversations about the Champions Tour. You know, that, to me, I think is a good thing for golf. And it's to have many different avenues doing well as possible.
0: You know, I just thought of the spur of the moment. Remember the last conversation we were talking about the wackiest things you ever, like, the the oddest things a viewer ever Asked you in your in your right. time at Golf Channel doing social media and like this understanding of like no we don't have the rights sure. and and for years the Champions Tour was on CNBC and it just brought me back to that Memphis week one of Daniel Berger's wins that Phil contended in that because of other obligations went from CBS to CNBC, to NBCSN, to finally Golf Channel. Wow,
1: that's the quadruple trifecta there.
0: Yes, and I remember I had people texting me out of the woodwork, who I know are golfers, but were not interested in that event, going, where is my golf? (laughs) Help me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you flip around channels, you may just end up there. Yeah, so it it was so... It was just odd, but but yeah, there is something to be said about we're talking about this tour. The tour's been invigorated, and good golf is good golf, and it's going to be rewarded up to a point in certain places, um, and it's going to be fascinating to see where this goes from here, and will speed training Phil Mickelson be able to throw one down in oh. Augusta? Yeah. It's going to be very interesting. Whew! Cavender Nutzi, um, my friend and now a monthly podcast guest. Thank you for joining me on the inaugural. Unless there's something else you wanted to say, by the way. No,
1: man, I'm good. I think I'll save it for next
0: time. Yep. So we will save that for next month. Uh, story time with with Cav and Jeremy every month here on Teeing it Up. It's a pleasure, my man. Thank you. And. Um, Got it, boss.
1: Thanks
0: for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.